Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I don't know if this will make it, but people listening on the road probably won't notice, definitely won't notice, uh, but we're, we're in a different spot today. Yeah. Today we're recording in... What I believe is a p- piano workshop, <laughs> or it's a th- synthesizer repair place, and there's a studio in the back. It's very yeah, cool. This is a b- uh, studio. So you YouTube viewers will notice it's very romantic back here. Just recorded here. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not, but listen, guys, cool. all you the heads out there, don't show up to this. We haven't said the name repair. yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. But it's it's pretty rad. Um, oh, maybe I should intro the show. Sure. Welcome right. back to Pass Gas. I am your co-host, Nolan Sykes. With me today, as always, my friend James Pumphrey <clears throat> and my other friend, Joe Weber. We're also co-workers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're co-workers, friends, family, you know. But you know what they say, Nolan? They say, work with your friends and you'll never work a day in your yeah, life. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Oh, is that why my like previous jobs were never fun? Cause yeah, because you never have freaking there. friends there. It sucks working without people that you can hang out with. Uh huh. What that's was a, that's a big like stress reliever? What was like your least favorite job that you've ever had, Joe? Uh, leasing agent for an apartment I lived in Minneapolis. The same, like I lived there, and then I would have to go down to the lobby to work, and then I was like. <laughs> Uh, so here's like uh studio, uh, got a bathroom. <laughs> like that was the worst. <laughs> when like, it's like the least ambitious job. Yeah. Guess <laughs> I'll try and sell people on my house. Well, I was like, what's? I don't have a car. What's like the closest job I can get? And it turned out to be in my in apartment. <laughs> yeah. So, so you never left. No. <laughs> Dude, that's all. I mean, you're all. I mean, if you're in that position, you're almost the ultimate salesman for that mm-hmm. product because you're like, hey, man, this is so good. 
I live here. <laughs> I yeah. used to skateboard in my living room, right? like because it was too cold in the winter in Minneapolis. So I just like learn 360 flips on my carpet, and I was like, oh, it's like <laughs> you can't hear anything because no one has complained yet. <laughs> I just realized that like the person just didn't want to say me. anything. Probably yeah. hated you. Yeah, in their life. James, do you have a least favorite job? All of them, uh, <laughs> including this one. <laughs> oh, I. Uh, for a while, I packed merch. Oh wow! For um, a band, and like it was like on the like seventh floor of some industrial building downtown, mm-hmm. and I did it for a summer, and it was just so hot <laughs> and just so mind numbing. But like you had to pay attention, but it was just terrible. So that was pretty bad. You like so fold shirts and stuff? Yeah, I would like roll up a shirt and put like a seven inch in it and then i also worked for like a record label where i would pack up cds and records and send them to radio stations that was pretty bad too packing not fan yeah words out to all of our fans out there who work in packing yeah if you're packing listen to this right now we feel for you man you probably got your airpods in just packing up some boxes i'm here to tell you man i can speak from experience it gets better just yeah. stay in there, keep your head down, keep listening to podcasts, keep exploring <laughs> your mind. You know, you may not be able to go outside whenever you want, and you may have really dry hands from that cardboard, man. Just, like, keep moisturized. Dude, the cardboard is real. And keep exploring your brain. <laughs> hey, before we start, okay, I got some presents for you guys. What? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. It's a, <laughs> it's a Steve Aoki-shaped <laughs> <laughs> air freshener. No, it's Post Malone. Oh, it's Post Malone. (laughs) It's pre-face tattoo. You have a harder time telling because mine is covered in face tattoos. Yeah, I have... have, It's a whole series of Post Malone. (laughs) This is great, Joe. Thank you. It's pineapple flavored. Wonderful. That's one of my favorite scents. What if it's... Okay, cool. (laughs) I wasn't sure. Here it is right here for the viewers. This is great. I... um, Very thoughtful. I kind of wish that it smelled like Post Malone himself. Like Hennessy and lean, like Bud Light and cigarettes. Yeah, this is this is like actually a very thoughtful. Yeah, this is sick. (laughs) Thank you. And where'd you get it, Joe? Palm Desert. (laughs) When I was fleeing the Land Rover experience, (laughs) (laughs) we won't get into that. No, that's a story for another time. But what we will get into, yes, is part two of the Volkswagen Beetle. Best gas podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Past Gas Podcast. If you like Past Gas, please help us grow by giving us a good rating and a nice review on the podcast platform of your choice. It'll really help us out, and I really appreciate that. So thank you. All right, now for the show. You guys might remember part one, a little dark. Yeah, sorry. That was a a, a darker episode, kind of different from what we usually do. I don't know. I was thinking this on the way to the studio today. I'm not sure that I am smart enough to talk about things that dark. Yeah, it's because you say one wrong thing and it's it's really. Then I get fired from SNL. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not good. I um, was thinking last night I might get back into it. Back into the comedy thing. Comedy you should, guys yeah, you doing should. shows yeah. and stuff. You absolutely really, should, man. Really made me. I mean, that's like where you came from. Yeah, man, that's my. Let us know in the comments if you want a donut stand-up tour. Oh yeah. Let us know if you want us. If you want James to be funny. No, I'm kidding. Um, speaking to the darkness of last episode, I I apologize, but 
I'm also sorry to report that this episode uh, will not be much brighter. <laughs> um, I mean, look, we got to keep in mind that at the, this story does have a happy ending. The bad guys do lose. Um, we just have to get there. Uh, and in today's episode, like I didn't realize that they did the period of time between when they designed the Beetle, like we talked about in the first episode, to when it actually got produced. It's almost like 15 to 20 years. Yeah. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about what happened in between, in betwixt the series of events that happened with the Volkswagen company during World War II. Um, because it's very interesting. Which side were they on? Uh, they were on the bad side. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, they were, they were bad guys. They were bad guys. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hummingbird was the code name given to the purge. Though now it's more commonly known as the Knight of Long Knives. As one of many as one of Hitler's many power grabs, Hitler began eliminating threats one by one. On June 30th, 1934, the Knight of Long Knives saw the execution of many prominent Germans and anyone who posed a threat to Hitler's power. The new maxim of the country became whatever is best for the Reich. The catch though was that Hitler was the only person able to say what was best. After all, another, quote, emergency situation called for another, quote, emergency response, giving Hitler a guise, an unearned guise, I might add, of legitimacy and legality to his actions. Things were no different when it came to the automobile. In Hitler's mind, Hitler only knew what was best, and Porsche would have been naive to believe that Hitler wasn't shopping around for the Volkswagen project. He went to companies such as Opel, which was run by one Heinrich Nordoff, but Hitler couldn't stand the fact that Opel was owned by an American company, General Motors. In fact, Hitler repeatedly threatened Opel's CEO and claimed that he would reclaim Opel for Germany once and for all. Eight weeks after Ferdinand Porsche's expose, which we talked about last episode, the detailed uh, people's car plan that incorporated every design element that Hitler had asked for, it reached Hitler's desk. Porsche received a phone call. He had been chosen to create the German people's car, a.k.a. the Volkswagen. Hilda? <laughs> yes? I got it! <laughs> <laughs> the German Automobile Association, known in Germany as the RDA, would provide the tools and materials. Hitler was still unhappy with the price of Porsche's Volkswagen, and he hoped the involvement of the RDA would help bring down the cost just a little bit. In February of 1935, Hitler gave his third auto show speech, declaring that the Volkswagen contract was being given to a, quote, ge designer genius, Ferdinand Porsche. Porsche had little time to put the plan into action, though. Hitler demanded a working prototype by the end of the year, and by 1938, he expected one million cars to be in production. As we'll see, though, it took a little longer than three years to make that happen. Other companies, specifically Opel, thought that they could make a better car than Porsche could. When Opel proposed designs to Hitler, uh, Hitler was less than amused at the attempt. Banging his fist down on the desk, Hitler shouted, Gentlemen, there can only be one Volkswagen, not ten. Hitler was set on the design of Porsche's Volkswagen, a.k.a. his Volkswagen. Opel was trying to reason with a megalomaniac after all. Five prototypes were made in 1936, one called the V1, one called the V2, and three of them, the V3. By the end of 1936, the prototype V3s had done over 30,000 miles 
pushing their limits in the Alps. They're testing them. You know, you mm. went to the Alps, didn't you? I did. I drove through the Alps. What were the roads like there? Beautiful. Just crazy. Crazy. Just like Jesse and I drove around the Alps for like four days. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, we were just bored <laughs> with how beautiful it was. It was just like, oh, that looks like freaking Cinderella. Oh, that looks like a Windows desktop background. Like, oh, great. Another majestic view. I got hit in the face with a waterfall while in the car. <laughs> <laughs> was it crowded or no? Uh, some parts were. We got caught behind RVs a bunch, but oh. it's just super, super twisty. Lots of elevation changes. And you had a pretty suiting or a suitable car for that, right? Uh, we had like a diesel, oh. like Peugeot. Oh, so it wasn't very fun, but the roads are so good. Um, and it was like a pretty good momentum car. That's awesome. So, I mean, it was fun. I think it was more fun to have a car with like no tire on it. Yeah. And that yeah. you had to, I mean, it like redlined at like 4,500. <laughs> like the rev limiter was at like 4,500 or oh something. Anyway, Porsche didn't have time to keep on testing though. Hitler had planned a quote, religious vacation on behalf of Porsche. Hitler sent his quote, designer genius to New York with one mission, to investigate the automotive production in the States and gain some insight into how to optimize production of the Volkswagen. There was only one problem, guys. Porsche didn't speak English, so he brought his nephew along too. Can you imagine just being like, I don't know, 17, and your uncle is like Elon Musk or something, mm-hmm. and you go to China, and he doesn't... I don't know why I'm making a hypothetical, but <laughs> Elon Musk. But like, it's very you, specific. Sorry, you come to America... <laughs> sorry. You're Porsche's 17-year-old nephew, and you come to America, and you're mm-hmm. just, like, dealing with, like, all these high-power, like, auto execs uh-huh. on behalf of your genius uncle. And you're just, like, messing with your uncle. <laughs> so I guess they use, like, spaghetti noodles for belts. <laughs> Porsche came back from the vacation with some new ideas. But the issue was still the price. His car cost 1,500 Reichsmarks. 500 more than Hitler had requested. The RDA had promised to give a 200 Reichsmark subsidy for each vehicle produced. Hitler thought that if the government was already going to be giving so much money to manufacturing, why not just build a factory for the car to be based on Porsche's findings in America? Porsche immediately said yes to the idea of having his own mega factory. I mean, why wouldn't you? Hey, someone came to me today and was like, you want a mega factory? I'd be like, what are we making? Yeah. Shit, if if Rob Deerdeck was like, here are the keys to my fantasy factory, <laughs> don't need it anymore. <laughs> I'm out of fantasy. <laughs> I lived them all. <laughs> I built a big <laughs> skateboard. <laughs> Did a donut. I grinded a car. <laughs> I lived fantastic. every fantasy. <laughs> it's been a good it's been a good time. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I had a lot of fun, but why does our Deer Drake sound like Vin Diesel? <laughs> yeah. I lived a lot of fantasy. <laughs> but your Vin Diesel sounds, sounds like, like Stallone. Stallone. <laughs> Don't forget his stepchildren. <laughs> so he said yes to the mega factory. But when Hitler offered him the keys to the Porsche factory, the quote Porsche factory, he said no. He didn't want the factory to be about him. Porsche was making a car for the people. So the factory had to be the people's factory for the people's car. So the, quote, Volkswagen factory was born. The Volkswagen plant was to be based off of Ford's River Rouge plant, 
a design we discussed back in our Fordlandia series, the River Rouge plant was revolutionary in that it was the genesis of the assembly line, where one worker did one job and passed the car along for the next component. Many of Ford's components were also produced on site or nearby, so the plant was never out of supplies to build cars. It was a well-oiled machine, a machine that Hitler wanted to steal. Hitler sounded nearly schizophrenic during his fourth auto show speak. <clears throat> Sorry. Because he's on meth. Everybody in the 30s is on meth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he begged drivers to be safer. Turns out, his Autobahn project had some unexpected consequences. Germans were dying at an alarming rate in traffic accidents. Oopsie daisy. <laughs> in fact, Hitler compared the death rates on the highways within the last year to being higher than the death toll in the entire Franco-Prussian War in the 1870s. Kind of a weird comparison. Mm -hmm. but uh, That was a huge war. I mean... Was it? I mean, I don't know. For that time. That's like a... Normal comparison, I feel like. Okay, I guess it makes sense. Uh, it was over 20,000 people. So Hitler was constructing a massive automotive factory, and he begged people to be safer as he didn't want his new people's car to kill more people than the war he was preparing for. Outside of the auto show, a town began to grow in the shadow of the factory. The city had been designed to be a worker's city, and the town had everything. The new factory was unlike anything in Europe, drawing heavily from the designs of U.S. factories. Workers would work in large, bright rooms, which was a stark contrast to the cramped spaces typical of European factories. But when it came to construction, Hitler encountered an unexpected problem. There weren't any workers to build the factory. Turns out Hitler was a little too good at employing Germany, and there were no extra workers to build the factory. So labor had to be imported from Italy, courtesy of Hitler's good friend and fellow dictator psycho, Benito Mussolini. Hey, wait, didn't Smokey Eunuch see M Mussolini's body? Oh, yeah, hanging. Yeah. That's a cool... If you haven't listened to the Smokey Eunuch episodes, they're some of my favorites. Dude, Smokey Eunuch is so cool. The best. Yeah. I I can't <laughs> even... I After listening to the episode, uh, I can't get the phrase womb broom <laughs> out of my head. You used it the other I day, know, I think. Because it's the best conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to more past guests, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. 
we can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Anyway, the Volkswagen project had become a full enterprise. Quote, the town Kraft Dirk Freudwagen, or Strength Through Joy Car, <laughs> <laughs> Strength Through Joy Car was created in the shadow of the factory in 1938. By the time this first section was only 80% constructed, the town had already cost Germany over 215 million Reichsmarks. With so much money invested already, the town was still only a single brick building in a large open pasture. <laughs> this <What>? is my town. <laughs> this is, and again, I keep recalling uh, past episodes. Yeah. But this reminds me of Fordlandia. Of course, yeah. It's just like, how do you fail so hard and just keep going? Because it's all about the belief, like, just pushing through will get you. It's just all, f this is why Fire Festival happens. Yeah. Because... <laughs> there's instances like this and like Ford Lando which just like just keep going just keep going yeah. it's like you know what sometimes you should just fucking quit mm -hmm. just fucking quit doing it not everything is a good idea cut your losses yeah it's like this fault this weird idea that like once you decide to do something you should always keep doing it yeah. there's a fine line yeah look I did I was very successful in one part of my life <laughs> So everything I come up with is going to be a great idea. Will be equally successful. Yeah. So they still had a long way to go, and they didn't have the money to get it done. One of Hitler's cronies and leader of the German Labor Department, Robert Ley, loved the entire project and kept coming up with ideas. He threw himself into the work of promoting the Volkswagen project. Ley came up with a way of securing immediate funding, the Strength Through Joy Car Savings Book Plan. Ley claimed that the program would help German citizens save their money. People were given booklets, and they, were, they would pay about $2 a week, or five Reichsmarks, to place a stamp in the booklet. Once the booklet was completely filled with stamps, it could be brought directly to the factory and redeemed for, their, for, a, uh, for a Volkswagen. Um, this makes me think, like, everyone's like, man, if I had a time machine, I'd go back in time. I'd kill Hitler. What I'd do... I go back in time with like a nice printer mm -hmm. and I just print up a bunch of these stamps and I just give them out to everybody. Mm. And then everyone would get a free car and it would bankrupt the Nazis. It's pretty good. Idea. Or it would just mobilize all of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no! <laughs> this did not work out like that. It happened way faster. <laughs> I didn't think this through. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should uh, leave the time travel to the professionals. <laughs> Uh, and you just start, like, disappearing. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> the stamp book program was covered with so much publicity and propaganda that the day the program launched, lines to the nearest post office stretched around the block. But immediately... There Sounds were, like an iPhone. Ooh. Immediately, there were... <laughs> Sounds like an iPhone. God. New iPhone came out. It's got another screen on it. You waiting for the stamp book, too? <laughs> uh, immediately, though. First look, stamp book. <laughs> is it worth it? Marquez Brownlee is, like, flipping through the pages. Yeah, I guess it's it's nice book, good card stock, uh, plenty of room for stamps. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But as you can imagine, there are immediately some problems with the program. German citizens were so poor at the time that five Reichsmarks per week was just too much to afford. And if you missed a single weekly payment, the entire booklet was disqualified. What? That's bullshit. That's straight up bullshit. I hate that. So the price was lowered to five Reichsmarks per month, which meant a family could earn their own Volkswagen in just 16 years. Uh, despite the obvious problems, 253,000 German citizens signed up before the war, and another 83,000 after the war started. The program helped stack a total of 263 million Reichsmarks straight into the Strength Through Joy car bank account. By 1939, over $12 million was funneled into the testing of the Volkswagen. There's more adjustments, testing, and tweaking had to be done on this car than any other car in history at this point. There wasn't any extra bit of metal seen on the car. Everything in the Volkswagen served a function. And I want a flower holder. <laughs> when the war finally came, Porsche was shocked. He had not believed that war was even possible but only because he had been willfully oblivious of all the signs that Germany was preparing for something big. The area of the Volkswagen factory town where Nazi officials were to live came with air raid reinforced basements as well as bunkers. His Volkswagen factory's floors and walls had been specifically reinforced with heavy concrete in order to withstand bombings. I mean, at that point, come on, you're really turning a blind eye. Like, oh, yeah. They're like, hey, yeah, we gotta like... Yo, in case this factory gets bombed, we got to reinforce this. And you're just like, wait, what do you mean? In what case do you mean, you... bomb? It's just in case. Porsche wasn't the only one who was shocked. The factory never had a war plan. And for the first year of war through 1940, uh, it more or less just sat idle. Porsche hoped that any day now the war would end and the production of the people's car would finally begin. I just imagine him like in an empty office, like spinning around in a chair, like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> any day now. Only about 30 prototypes of his car had been built at this point, and they were distributed primarily to Nazi officials for propaganda reasons. Even in 1940, Hitler still gave the impression to Porsche that the factory only served one purpose, to produce Volkswagens. Porsche was informed that the factory would never be used for the war effort. And from that day on, each time Nazi officials came knocking, Porsche would tell them to take it up with Hitler as he slammed the door in their faces. You know... It just sounds like Hitler told Porsche it wasn't going to happen, but then why do you keep sending people? I don't know. When it came to wartime production, Hitler's armament committees were only concerned with efficiency. Porsche and his factory, uh, they were not. And that really pissed the Minister of War Production, Albert Spears, right off. Porsche wanted quality in his designs, including spending hours and hours poring over the blueprints of his tanks commissioned by Adolf Hitler. Porsche operated in his own little universe. He was both respected and hated for it. He didn't serve any part, only himself and his views, and he was never afraid to share that. He had the knowledge and talent that Germany needed, and he was fully aware of his value to Hitler. And Hitler absolutely loved Porsche, but Hitler's opinion didn't matter much to Porsche at this point. Apparently, Porsche didn't really understand the war, at one point, he asked Hitler to, quote, turn off the war as if they were low, running low on fuel. He tried advising Hitler multiple times during meetings, even once stating that only small men should be allowed to be inside of tanks. That way, Porsche could design smaller tanks. <laughs> <laughs> what? We need to start making smaller men. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to sound like we're poo-pooing on Porsche. He was obviously very, very intelligent. But that just the idea of, like, in interest of like wartime production, mm -hmm. like 
he he's such a got that like sports car hot rodder mentality where it's mm-hmm. like we just made it smaller, be lighter and faster, blah blah blah. And yeah. then just like, dude, we want some big ass tanks, man. All right, so in 1942, <laughs> <laughs> Porsche was 67 years old, and he had finally accepted that there was no end in sight to the okay, war. Okay, boomer. <laughs> he accepted that his town of the Strength Through Joy Cars factory wouldn't be producing any joy cars anytime soon. Against his will, the factory was finally retooled to produce a rather wide variety of war machines. It would produce fuel tanks, mines, bazookas, and 20,000 V1 flying bombs. The Nazis retrofitted the people's car with bigger wheels and a heavy-duty frame for war. The factory eventually began producing the Kuhlbühlwagen, a.k.a. the bucket seat car. These were redesigned Beetles with raised and strengthened chassis and a redesigned body with the same 25-horsepower engine. Essentially, these Kuhlbühlwagens were the German counterpart to the U.S. Army's Jeep. And by the end of 1943, 41.5% of the factory's output were these wagons. Oh, it looks like the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. It's a thing, basically. Porsche had to retool his factory for war in Austria in World War I, so the entire process was something that he was used to, but he was not thrilled about it. You know who was happy about Porsche, though? Hitler. Mm-hmm. When Porsche had to fly, he flew in Hitler's private plane with Hitler's own pilot. Quote, let the generals fly in the regular planes. I have many generals, but only one Porsche. In fact, Porsche was the only person in a position of authority who didn't have to wear a uniform and was the only man in Hitler's circle to never refer to Hitler as the Fuhrer. So, look Porsche, we got a we got Hugo Boss to design this <laughs> suit for you. Do you just want to put it on, try it on? Nah. It, I mean, we had it tailored to your body. Nope. Nah. This is Hugo Boss. Listen, Adolf. <laughs> During the war, on average, 30% of factory workers in German factories were forced laborers. We're just going to call it what it is. They were slaves. But the Volks, but at the Volkswagen factory, things were a little different. They barely had enough workers to build the darn thing, so a whopping 80% of the workers at the factory were there because of slavery. Though apparently, the factory was one of the more desirable places to be sent if you had to be sent to be forced to work somewhere. Uh, a Hungarian Jewish woman testified after the war that being selected to work at the Volkswagen factories felt like an, quote, unexpected joy when compared to the, quote, uh... Can I try it? Yeah. Vernichtung durch Albert. Or death through labor she had been facing at Auschwitz. Allied bombings of German factories became commonplace through 1944 and 45, the Volkswagen factory was a massive target. I mean, it was just sitting in the middle of a field. There wasn't, it wasn't hard to hit. So large-scale operations began moving the valuable equipment off-site into safer locations, including converting an entire iron mine into an underground armament production factory in less than six months. As time marched on, the bombings of the town t- continued through the end of the war. Just before 9 a.m., on April 10th, 1945, the air raid sirens began to sound again. Initially, people didn't think anything of it, as they were being woken up by the bombings roughly two or three times a night. Can you imagine, man, living through that? I think about it like um, I really like history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, that's why we do this show, and Up to Speed is a history show. That's our YouTube show. If you don't follow us on YouTube, go ahead and check us out. It's 
search donut media. Um, yeah, but we, as Americans, we really have a different experience mm -hmm. of war than, you know, any other country really like London was leveled. Yeah. You know, Think like, about that. can you imagine just like going to bed at night or like eating dinner? Like if America has been in two wars for almost our entire life and you know, may or may not be in a third one, but, uh, it's so far away from mm -hmm. us that it really doesn't affect us at all. You know, honestly, beyond a political stance mm -hmm. on it. And so like, I just can't imagine. Yeah. We have a very disconnected view of it for sure. Cause for sure. it just happens on our TV screens, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's I, better not use never, any lights. Yeah. Better lights turn out the lights so I don't yeah, explode. That's true. They had to turn off their, all their lights, no candles, all that. Yeah. Um, and just like hearing outside your neighbors exploding. Um, we are very blessed. I always get super sad when I look at pictures of like, especially like World War One and World War Two. after like everything was bombed in Europe. It's so sad to see like Belgium, like a country that was beautiful in like 1910 or something. It had all this really cool Victorian architecture and like huge, awesome buildings. And then like, a couple years later, just, just leveled. leveled. And like Belgium isn't an aggressor. Like they, they're just in the middle of all these countries. Like it's yeah. so sad. Yeah. So yeah, war is bad and I don't support it. Holla. All right. <laughs> peace gang. <laughs> oh my God. World peace gang. Holla. Huh, where you guys want to join world peace gang? Oh yeah. Hashtag peace gang. Hashtag peace, like peace gang is pretty tight. I like that. Hashtag peace creeps. <laughs> I'm a creep for peace. I love peace. <laughs> we'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so yeah, they were woken up by these uh, these air raid sirens, but something about this alarm was different. It was punctuated with a panzer alert, signifying the nearby presence of tanks. Twelve hours later, another alarm sounded. This time, German officials, they panicked. People started shredding documents and burning any official pictures of Hitler or anything that may prove their allegiance to the Nazi party. Less than two days later, American troops had entered the city and took control from the Germans. The factory was quickly acquired under U.S. control. Miraculously, compared to the rest of Germany, the factory was pretty all right. Only about 50% of the factory had been damaged, and only 20% of it was considered completely destroyed. 
So the U.S. ordered the production of the Kubel wagons to continue for the U.S. until the end of the war. What a <laughs> Yeah, you're going to still make these cars, but you're going to make them for us. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> Vin Diesel. Same Private Ryan. Toot toot. Love that movie. Love his performance. <laughs> it was a great ensemble. You know, Steven Spielberg cast Vin Diesel for that movie. Oh, yeah. Off of a short film mm -hmm. about being an actor in New York that Vin Diesel wrote, starred in, and directed. Dang, triple threat. Vin Diesel's a freaking genius. Vin Diesel is an interesting... I would love to meet him. We met his stunt doubles from the Fast and Furious <laughs> series at the uh, Fuel Fest a few, like last year. Mm -hmm. And they they were just all dudes. They all wore the same like leather jackets and like just like... They dressed like Vin Diesel. Yeah. They were bald. Oh my but God. they were like also varying heights. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on how he felt that day. Yeah. <laughs> so the U.S. took over the factory, but only 133 more of the Kubel wagons were made before the war ended. On April 30th, 1945, Hitler committed suicide. Uh, his thousand-year Reich had only lasted 12 years, and the f yeah, <laughs> you, dude. you Hitler, your Reich is bullshit. <laughs> you barely even, you didn't even outlast the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> All right, so one of the first orders of business under the new leadership was to change the town's name. No one wanted to live in the Nazi town of strength through joy car. So the town was officially renamed Wolfsburg after a nearby castle. Two and a half months later, just before his 17th birthday, Portia and many others who were considered prominent figures in the Third Reich were summoned to Frankfurt for a trial. At least Ferdinand Portia was summon summoned as he was in Austria at the time and the war ended. He was actually allowed to drive himself to the trials. Everyone else present was imprisoned. The trials were part of Operation Dustbin, a process where figures involved in uh, the Nazi party were questioned one by one, and it lasted nearly three months. Albert Speer, the official who hated him, repeatedly testified that Portia was, quote, a useless engineer who had no way to know the greater plan and doesn't belong there. Still kind of complicit, though. Still yeah. Still kind of. I mean... Dude rode around in airplanes with Hitler. Yeah, I'm not so convinced. But Portia was released uncharged. He didn't realize how lucky he was, as most men collected in Operation Dustbin were later sent to the Nuremberg trials to be trialed and executed. But Portia went back home to Zell in Austria. In the days after the war ended, British Army engineer... Uh, officer Major Ivan Hurst would describe the city of Wolfsburg with its population of 25,000 as an abandoned construction site. But Hurst was famously optimistic, more so than Portia, and he knew that the place could be set right again. And his job was to do just that. A British Army engineer was going to rebuild a German automaker. This is where things get fun. We can joke more now. Yay. <laughs> you guys want to hear about Hitler's penis? Yeah. Sure. Okay. According to time.com, okay. oh, Hitler, a... Hitler, you you know time. I've heard of it. Yeah. I was their man of the year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. You and Greta Thunberg? <laughs> Me and Greta Thunberg were, I was on half the covers, she was on half. <laughs> uh, Hitler himself is believed to have had two forms of genital abnormality, an undescend, undescended testicle mm. and a rare condition called penile hypospadias in which the urethra opens on the underside of the penis Ew. that's like a I had a friend who had a Prince Albert 
and then <laughs> uh, took it out, and then he had to sit down to pee because of that <laughs> <Yeah>. same thing. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> we didn't Do think people... this through. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have poked a hole in there. Yeah. Do people still get those? Yeah. Yeah, man. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm getting one this weekend. Only <laughs> one this week. We don't shame that. Yeah, no, dude. I mean, if hey. you got one, dude. Dude, for all our fans out there with pierced genitalia, more power to yeah, you. Yeah, honestly. That's... More power, baby, more... to you. <laughs> we want to give a special more power, baby, to all of our fans <laughs> of Prince Albert's. <laughs> Keep on clacking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, according to Hearst, some parts of the factory appeared as if they had not been touched in years, but that was about to change, as the British government had immediately ordered the production of 20,000 Volkswagen Kudabu wagon style vehicles to help fill the country's immediate need for transportation and fuel recovery. Hearst hated the idea of producing a war vehicle in a time of peace, but he was about to get lucky. While combing through an abandoned part of the factory, he discovered an original's people car in storage. He immediately fell in love at first sight and sent it to the British government for review. Soon after, he had the government's blessing to construct the people's car instead. Creation of the car was covered in red tape and bureaucratic debate. People were hesitant about building the car, but Hearst wasn't about to sit back and wait for final approval. He immediately began building them. Food and provisions were scarce in the factory, but workers could sense Hearst's dedication, and they worked their butts off to make the future of VW a reality. The VW factory was marked as, quote, military surplus, and they tried to sell it to literally anyone who may be interested, including Henry Ford. But no one was interested in the dumpster fire that the factory appeared to be. So it was the British Ministry's problem to fix. There was no better way, they thought, than try to turn the Volkswagen into a legitimate company. The groundwork for the Volkswagen was finally being laid. The British government began establishing an intricate system of services and dealerships. Karl Führerisen, a rival of Porsche, was at the factory during the time of rebuilding as Porsche was trying to stay as far away from it. He worked with the government to establish what would be known as the, quote, Volkswagen Way, a focus on service before sales, gearing the factory towards the customers, not towards profit. Any dealership had to be equipped to both sell and service vehicles, and classes were taught in both German and English to train incoming dealership employees. Ivanhurst was a real stickler for quality. He was often seen driving the car off the assembly line, that way, he could be the first person to quality control the vehicles he helped produce. He poured his heart and soul into the factory, and the workers apparently loved him for it. On his birthday, Volkswagen employees gave him a car that read, quote, For our energetic British officer Major Hurst, the rebuilder of the Volkswagen company. By the end of 1946, Hurst had managed to produce 10,000 people's cars. For the 10,000th car, two pictures were taken. One featuring her standing in front of the car smiling, the other, taken without management knowledge, featured a sign that said, 10,000 cars and an empty stomach. How can we endure? After all, Germany was still in massive disrepair after the war. Factory workers were on a 1,024 calorie per day diet. Yikes. Half of what dietitians recommend for a healthy adult. Money was worthless as there was basically no economy left. But that's where the people's car really came into its own. The primary market that remained after the fall of Hitler's empire was the black market. Barter and trade ruled, and one people's car could be bartered for 150 tons of cement or 200,000 bricks. That's so you could build a house. Yeah, for one car, yeah. 
lights, food, clothes, etc., all of these were paid for in Volkswagens. The economy was a bust, and buying a car was the last thing on the mind of German citizens. So this was the best use for them. That's crazy that they're using cars as like money. Yeah, like know? their money just means nothing because their government collapsed. Yeah. And so they're like, I'm going to build this car in a factory and then trade you for something. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Germany was beginning to demonstrate a basic economy theory in Europe. When one major European country suffers, all European countries suffer as well. So quickly plans were made to help the country rebuild. While things were looking better for Volkswagen, things were only getting harder for Porsche. He had no way to know what had happened to his beloved factory. To him, another insurmountable wall had been erected preventing him from completing his dream of mass affordable transportation. Shortly after the war, Porsche was invited to a spa town near the border inside France. A few days later, Porsche received a knock on the door. Excitedly opening the door, he discovered a handful of French police standing there to greet him. The 70-year-old Porsche, his nephew, and son-in-law were arrested by the French police for their involvement in forced labor, a.k.a. slavery, in the Nazi party. After all, he was complicit with the forced labor. But in the same way... Here, okay. The guy, he ran a factory in Nazi Germany yeah. during World War II. They were slaves working at his factory. Yeah. So he wasn't just complicit. He was actively involved. Yeah. Once again, Porsche's dreams of his people's car had seemingly met its end. And that's where we'll pick up next time on our conclusion of the Volkswagen Beetle. You know, we have done a number of these episodes. And diving this deep into history makes it hard to like anything <laughs> like i've owned a million volkswagens uh i'm a big fan of the brand and it's like do i like them anymore i don't know i think you know like even like it's like ford do i those guys are bad guys too like what it, i think in volkswagen's case i think it's okay for you don't have to cancel volkswagen just change the name that probably would have helped honestly but I don't know then our episode would have been like this Volkswagen factory you know it today as blah 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 yeah. like, I think the, the whole effort by Ivan Hurst to rebuild it is really admirable and I mean it, as we'll see in the next episode transformed it into a flourishing brand that helped re rebuild Germany mm -hmm. so I mean as always it's complicated <laughs> yeah if but. it's any solace like these nazis spent so long developing this car and then they didn't really yeah, get to enjoy it enjoy it at all <laughs> and so yeah. we're like oh this is a really good plan let's use this uh for good yeah, yeah. all right so uh yeah i think this this episode is a little dark but also there's it got better and next episode is going to be a lot more fun because it's just it's we'll, we'll see the, the beetle come into its own change the world with peace and love stick with us for that part three yeah. of the volkswagen beetle yeah so follow us at donut media check out our youtube channel if you haven't yet uh i almost promoted our podcast just now because i've <laughs> been trying to do that on all our shows but we do have a podcast channel so yes. it's a whole channel on youtube dedicated to the podcast this is our first one we're going to do more series on there so uh go ahead and hit that subscribe button and the bell yeah. So that you, you know when new stuff drops. That's right. 
All right. Follow James Pumphrey at James Pumphrey. Follow Joe at Dark Webinar. And follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. Thank you for listening. Be kind. I love you. See you next time. Also, I <laughs> I want to thank our engineer for the show, Carlos, as well as Tim, our last engineer. Uh, you guys really um, make this all possible. So thank, thank all the engineers of all the podcasts. <laughs> no, but thank you, Carlos. Thank you, Tim. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.